What's going on, everybody? I want to welcome you back to another episode of the Spring Legion Podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Ferrier, joining you solo today. Got a pretty cool episode ahead of us. Uh, we want to dive into it as quickly as possible. And I hope that y'all enjoyed our last episode with our celebrity guest host and guest, several guests, actually. Uh, our buddy Logan Cook hopped on and kind of took the reins of the podcast booth there at the NWTF convention. I hope y'all were able to weather through some of the announcements and stuff going on overhead but uh but his discussion with uh one of the pioneers in turkey hunting cuz strickland um he and and cranky and matt his grandsons as they kind of walked through some of the more memorable things that they remember in the turkey woods and cuz has got a a whole book of them i feel like and then cranky and matt kind of seeing that evolution as they kind of those hooks start setting deep in them that was that was really cool to hear just as a a listener standpoint as much as you know anything and uh Logan, I think he knocked it out of the park when I turned it on probably midnight, Monday night, getting ready to edit it and publish it on Tuesday. I, I turned it on, and by the end of it, I was I caught myself kind of just dazed into it, listening to the conversations as much as anybody, and I was supposed to be editing it. So uh, I'd say he did pretty good because I didn't have to touch it. But big thanks to Logan for stepping in and doing that while we were kind of taking care of some other stuff at the convention in Nashville. Um, a few other things, first and foremost, just want to just tell you all a sincere thank you to all of our listeners, I think it wasn't long after that uh, that last episode published. I want to say it was Logan sent me a text, and I think he said that Cuz had kind of let him know about it, that Spring Legion was at number nine in, in all of Apple's wilderness category on Apple iTunes and Apple Podcasts and stuff, and 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 that, that kind of blew me away. I'm not going to lie. I'm going to kind of expose my expectations, I guess you'd say, but I, I did not expect that and had no idea that it had been up there that long, and um, it was just really cool to see that that listeners out there, that everybody who listens to this every week, has has pushed, you know, woodsmanship and an old school train of thought and turkey hunting up there with the best of the best and and apples categories and and that was just really cool to see how far it's come. So just sincerely from me to you, all of our listeners, I just want to say thank y'all for for doing what y'all do and and the reviews and sharing it and everything like that and and kind of driving this little weekly episode of winging it. I feel like uh further and further each week and it really does mean a lot and it kind of drives us to make sure that we give you all the best we can aside from that we got a couple updates going to knock out before we get into today's episode with our buddies at primos lake and jordan uh seals and myself uh it's a recording of our live podcast that we kept preaching on with our updates of prior podcast episodes so uh it finally happened and we're going to get into that but before just want to uh hit a few spring legion updates the first being uh, a project that, that Gary and Charlie at Muscanine Bloodline and myself and, and uh, those who work with them, uh, Brad Curry and stuff like that, we've been kind of collaborating on an idea to kind of build upon our 2021 benefit tee that we, uh, that we ran last year at the beginning of March that benefited Fathers in the Field, uh, an organization for fatherless children trying to get into the outdoors. Uh, this year, we, we decided to uh, focus more on the bird itself. Um, with the beneficiary of the proceeds, and that wound up being a, a very well-known individual in the turkey hunting realm, Dr. Mike Chamberlain over at the University of Georgia. Got in talks with him a few weeks ago and, and kind of got the okay and the go-ahead to uh, to run a collaborative effort to make sure that uh, 
that we had some funds going to some good research projects and, and a bettering of the future of wild turkey. So we came up with the Sounds of the South Comfort Colors Pocket Tee. Uh, the colors ivory, and they are on uh, Muscadine Bloodlines website. You can also find them on our website with a link that'll go to the pre-order page. Now, how the pre-orders work? It's a, uh, it's now until it actually began uh, Monday, uh, February twenty-eighth, really, through uh, March fourteenth. So, anytime between then, you're able to go on there pre-order. Um, the cost is twenty-five dollars, and all the pre-orders will kind of be ran through the system and, and shipped out after that March 14th deadline. But after that March 14th deadline, you know, orders are closed. We're writing the check. It's going to Dr. Chamberlain and his uh, team over at the University of Georgia for uh, their current and ongoing and future studies for the wild turkey across the southeast. And um, it'll kind of be a done deal at that. And uh, if it's anything like last year's uh, benefit tea, it's going to raise a good bit. So we hope you all hop on board. Really encourage anybody that's out there in the woods this year to do something, whether it be this or anything, to make sure that you're giving back to the bird that provides so much for us every spring. So really looking forward to uh, to pushing that, and, and we appreciate any help we can get as far as sharing the uh, sharing the tea, sharing the collaborative effort, no matter how big or how little you know of a pool you got. We appreciate every little one of them, and um, and that's that's kind of how. We're going to take steps towards a better future in turkey hunting, and, and we hope that this does exactly that, or at least helps do exactly that. So y'all be sure to check them out at springlegion.com or musketonbloodline.com and uh, get a look at the cool design that we kind of came up with. I remember being on the phone with them and kind of talking through what we wanted to be. It's like a, a guitar slash box call, something to combine the best of kind of what we're each known for uh, independently with Muscanine Bloodline. They're turkey hunters, you know, to the core. But at the same time, they're probably more well-known for the jam-up music they've been knocking out here lately. So threw in the guitar on top of the box call and, and, uh, and, and got it rolling, and they knocked it out of the park when it comes to uh, the, uh, the design on that thing. I'm, I'm looking forward. We actually got a proof, and I got it, and I started ordering some for my friends. So as soon as it went live today. But nonetheless, it's, it's a good cause, and it's, a, it's going to some good hands and, and folks who are doing some good things for the wild turkey and we can't be more excited about it so just to reiterate that benefit wild turkey research tea we got going on that's going to uh, wild turkey research 100 percent of those proceeds so anybody that buys one you're doing a good deed for the turkey hunt community and um and we're looking forward to uh to kind of maxing out that potential right there and secondly just kind of a little bit more on the spring legion side of things we, uh, we're adding new arrivals left and right to the website as this is kind of our busiest time of the year. That's no secret. We've got uh, those new quarter zip pullovers, those performance pullovers, and new bottom land. If you haven't checked them out, I encourage you to do so. We've got those online and um, a couple new tees, the MGCT, the Circle Track tee that we released at the NWTF convention with the quarter zips. We, uh, we've, we've got those box call tees, the Not Subject to Change Series 2022 edition kind of build on that little yearly uh, release we had every preseason with the, a design that we felt kind of encapsulated the old school turkey hunter's way of thought. This year was the patent design of the, one of the first box calls in production, and we, it, it's done pretty well. So grab one of those as well as a full, fresh restock about of a turkey hunter in both formats. Still preseason, still get your mind right season. We've got paperbacks and hardcovers on the website ready to go. And you can also purchase uh, paperbacks on uh, Amazon.com if you choose to do so. Either way, I don't care. 
But we do got them stocked at springlegion.com for those who want a signed copy. Last but not least, do want to give a shout-out to uh, Adam Butler and their team at the Mississippi Department of Wildlife, Fish, and Parks. This was a, a really cool kind of a phenomena that I was able to be a part of and want to say want to express my appreciation for the invite to kind of be in the room with a lot of uh, well-known pioneers in, in turkey hunting and, and, and folks from Mississippi that, that do care deeply about the wild turkey. Uh, what I'm talking about is they coordinated a Mississippi Wild Turkey Summit. It was the day following the live podcast that y'all are about to hear. Um, Lake, uh, who was also on the podcast, he was also there, and, and Jimmy Primoz, as well as folks like Cud Strickland, Preston Pittman, Ron Jolly, you know, some, some folks that uh, that you grew up watching, grew up looking up to, and just to be in the room with them was a pretty surreal little bit of a moment there. And just to uh, to hear them kind of talk with biologists and, and legislators and game wardens and everything, we all kind of got together and discussed some steps that we thought we needed to take when it comes to the future of the wild turkey, some concerns that we think we should be addressing. And I think it was a very firm step forward in the realm of turkey hunting, so... Stuff like that's what's going to really be pushing the envelopes on all sides, uh, kind of coming to a meeting of the minds between the legislators, the ones with the uh, with the final say so, and a lot of stuff, and then and then folks who who see the effects and the causes day in day out, study it, pick the brains of of either sides of things, and I don't really want to say it was opposing sides of do anything. A lot of folks just collaborating their ideas on what might be causing some of these uh, decline numbers we're seeing in wild turkey populations and. And I think uh, I think they've got it in, in some good hands over there at Mississippi Department of Wildlife, Fishes, and Parks, and they're doing some good things. So, without further ado, we will get into today's episode, which is um, was kindly provided by our buddy Lake Pickle over at Primo's Hunting. Uh, he sent me the email uh, with the file for the recording of our live episode um, at Rick's Cafe in Starkville, Mississippi, which is a place that all four of us held very dear. And if you're from the area you know where we're talking about and you know some of the uh, the times that have been able to have been had in said arena, if you will. So that's a, a spot that holds dear to all of us. And this is one of the cooler things we've, you know, been a part of. And, and I wish, you know, more than anything when I was in college, this stuff like this was available and, and it was all around really good time. We had a lot of fun, had a lot of laughs, just setting up and stuff, just joking around with the guys and stuff and, and getting to hear some Turkey hunting stores was was a lot of fun, and, and getting to uh, really just interact with uh, with some of the listeners out there, some folks that they, they listen to both podcasts, both the Speak the Language podcast and the Spring Legion podcast, week in and week out. You know, kind of just had the opportunity to ask a couple questions in person and get them answered, you know, live. So we dive in from from the history of the wild turkey to some of the concerns we did have, and then a good bit of uh, turkey hunt stories, both really exciting and really funny, and poking fun at each other and poking jokes at each other. And it was a, it was a good time and, and, and something that I'll remember for the rest of my life and 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 very thankful for the opportunity to be there. So we'll go ahead and hop on to it. All right, hey, can everybody hear us out there? Yeah, good. Uh, first off, like, wow. Yeah. Um, I told them, like, I told these boys when we were driving up here today, there could have been, like, 
six people show up, not counting our buddies, and we'd have been like, great success. We actually, yeah. you know, we, we have done something here. So before we get started, like huge thank you to Rick's Cafe for opening their doors and letting us hold this here. Uh, big shout out to Wade Incorporated, uh, John Deere Supplier. Um, they helped us out. There's some hats that they're giving away and fun stuff. And then also Parker Chrysler Dodge Jeep and Ram right here in Starkville. The really cool-looking Jeeps that y'all had to walk through to get in the door, that's who supplied those. Um, There's a tractor out there, too. That's mm-hmm. the, the Wade Incorporated guy. Um, before we go any further, uh, this live event podcast thing is completely new to us, so this is probably something that's more common to put on the back end of stuff, and I'm going to go ahead and say it right now. Whether you're here in support of the Primo Speak the Language podcast or the Spring Legion podcast or whether you're just trying to win some free stuff – we truly appreciate y'all being here like it means a a whole whole lot that y'all showed up to come out and talk about goblin turkeys for however long we're able to do it some quick introductions um number one amazon author of like a a turkey book don't know how he did it me neither um and then ironically managed to uh, get his wife pregnant to where she would have twins in the middle of turkey season if you don't call that irony i don't know what you do so that's <laughs> that's hunter farrier right be there a chapter on that. Um, then you got seals seals is um well he's seals goes by the first name of austin this goes by yeah. the name of austin yeah. yeah big player in the spring legion game i think hunter would agree that spring legion would not have grown as rapidly as it did if it weren't for austin austin and them those two um championship the spring legion podcast which again if y'all are here y'all probably know that already and that's that's jordan that's what he looks like (laughs) howdy and there's that um so who are you yeah my name's lake pickle um (laughs) at the party (laughs) why is that funny (laughs) um well look before we start talking about like strictly turkey hunting topics i thought i would be doing a lot of people in this room a disservice and a lot of people that came before before us a disservice if I didn't at least touch on specifically turkey history in the state of Mississippi, um, how significant this state has been for the success of the wild turkey and how significant this city and the university that calls this city home, how significant it has been. So if y'all will bear with me for a second, historically, so the southeastern United States was known for holding just high numbers of turkeys, right? Mississippi specifically, it's it's super interesting. Like, I feel like probably most of the people in this room that appreciate wild turkeys and enjoy hunting wild turkeys, if you grew up in this state, you probably have some general knowledge that at some point, like way long ago, we had a big, big number of turkeys, and then something happened. We almost pushed them to extinction. And conservation efforts took place, and now we can hunt turkeys again, which is great. Um, My only issue that I found with that is I think that's become such glossed over information that there's some really, like, keen details that make this story of bringing the wild turkey back to where we can hunt it regularly truly is, like, it's absolutely amazing. So there's, like, these early writings. Back from the 1600s to 1700s, there was this Spanish explorer by the name of Bienville. Um, he thought it so important that he wrote down like the direct quote from him is that there was just this vast number of turkeys along the Mississippi River and then it was like two centuries later there was a guy by the name of John James Audubon does anyone know who that is 
most people at least at very least have heard that guy's name but um audubon visited this place near the natchez area and he said like this place the quote i think the direct quote from him was like he there's this plentiful supply of turkeys and the third one probably the most notable and like are there any are there any thompson hall kids in here like college forest resources my people a few. my Maybe. people that's where i was when i was i was at school here i was at thompson hall at the time so thompson hall folks if i say the name aldo leopold y'all recognize that name i'm sure yeah so like the direct quote from leopold i'm just this is a direct direct quote from out of leopold he said on account of the high proportion of forest lands and especially the wide dispersion of natural refuges in the form of swamps no state has a more favorable chance than mississippi to produce a large and stable crop of wild turkeys so like kind of frame that up for y'all like how significant that is like this is way back when like i said the the spanish explorer guy that's in the 1600s so you got to think there was like some sort of a vetting process you know people can just tweet stuff or type it down if they, if they knew something was going to be kept up with they had to write it down it probably had to be pretty important so like daniel boone everyone knows who daniel boone is when daniel boone crossed into kentucky one of the things that he thought important enough to say about it was man this place has a lot of buffalo and I'm not saying it's like a direct numbers comparison, but you have these three different naturalist, biologists, explorers that traveled into Mississippi for the first time, and they found it so significant that they were like, wow, I should write down how many turkeys there are in this state. Mm-hmm. So you got to think, you're like, well, what in the world happened? You know, like, how did they even push them to extinction if there were that many? And that's when, again, I'm assuming most of us are in this room are like-minded people. Um what it has written down, it was in like the early 1900s when they first saw that there was like a serious decline in wild turkey numbers. And it was, it was mainly, I mean, everything, there's multiple factors and everything, but uh, you had two things going on. You had just massive destruction of the forest lands because people didn't know how to manageably sustain that resource. And then as far as shooting turkeys go, there was no limits. There was, there was no regulations on how they had to kill them. And so you had just these two things going on, like habitat loss, habitat fragmentation, turkeys just getting killed. There was another lady. I mean, you could do a whole series of podcasts on a lady by the name of Fanny Cook. Fanny Cook is a Mississippi native that gets highly underrated in the, in the, in the realm of conservation. But she wrote a book in 1945, and she wrote about these instances where these guys, she called her cutter men or logging men, she would talk stories about while they were cutting the trees down, they would flush turkeys and would just go to shooting them. And the ones that remained would just get popped. And they're not, we're thinking about turkey hunting, like sitting down and yelping them. These guys are just shooting turkeys, like to, to any amass. So it's almost comical, like the first law that got passed in this state, okay? The first law that got passed to offer some protection to the turkeys was um, you can't shoot them in the summertime. <laughs> this is the first thing. Like they were like, well, any other time of year, gobblers hens pulse whatever just don't shoot them in the summer uh by that point it was too late and then thank the good lord by 1932 they founded the game and fish commission which is now the mdwfnp and when it was founded in 1932 one of the first things that they had in his objective was to restore the wild turkeys and the funny thing is like well it's not funny but uh they tried trapping them which they couldn't find a way to trap them that kept them alive and then they tried buying like captive raised turkeys and just turn them out into the wild as you can imagine like that was barnyard turkeys. yeah barnyard turkeys just just turning them out as you can imagine that was a disaster um in 1950 they discovered cannon netting 
And if cannon netting, if that term sounds familiar, that's because they still use that like to this day. So in 1950, they figured out they could cannon net birds, keep them alive, and then they would they would go and can they would net them in spots where they had higher numbers, and they would transfer them to spots within the state where the numbers were lower. So by 1960s, you had two things going on that were in the good direction of the wild turkey. You had you had the the restoration and the restocking process in full swing, and you had the forest is fully recovering because you had forests like we have uh, foresters and forestry practices like we have now that teach us to sustainably manage that resource. And then that's when the city of Starkville comes into play. I mean, some of y'all Thompson Hall kids, y'all may know this already. 1983, the MDWFNP contacts a guy by the name of Dr. George Hurst, who was a professor at Mississippi State. And they initiated the Cooperative Wild Turkey Research Project. And that's significant because that was like one of the first research projects that studied turkeys specifically. And that got used just coming from this one state, from this one town, from this one university, you ended up with this research project that ended up benefiting turkeys in this state and in this entire country. And then feel as you may about the turkey numbers we have now, but we, I know what we do have. We have a regular season where yep. we can hunt them. We have a sport that we can enjoy that obviously a lot of y'all out there like feeling about, feel a strong way about, so to speak, and that somehow leads us Four of us knuckleheads just sitting in a room full of turkey hunters, and I think that is worth celebrating. That's pretty cool. So that was a lot to spit out. That was a whole lot, but it was a good history lesson. <laughs> uh, you taught me a few things. And, uh, <laughs> the thing about Leopold, uh, I mean, that was in the early twenties when they documented that. So a lot of things have happened in our last, uh, yeah, century, I guess. Is yeah, that a, is that a thousand years or a hundred years? Hundred century's going to be a hundred, Jordan. Okay, <laughs> century's gonna, definitely going to be a hundred. Yeah. Um, so what we're going to do tonight? Uh, we got to, I mean, we really don't have like a agenda, like a rigid agenda that we're going to follow. We're just going to tell some fun turkey stories. Um, Hunter had some folks send some like topics in they want us to cover that we can hit on. Um, and then we're going to open up the floor. If y'all have any questions, I mean, it, it can be, uh, y'all can ask whatever you want. So seeing as we're in Starkville, seeing as part of the reason that we picked this town is because all of us spent some significant time here when we were younger. I wanted to get some of these guys to tell some memorable turkey stories from their time here. I'm going to open up the floor with old Jay Bliss. So t tell me a turkey story, man. Tell me, like, like when you, th if I tell you Starkville, or I mean in this area when you were younger, like tell me a turkey tale. Sorry, it needs to be in this area? I could be, I'm, not necessarily. I mean, it would be better if it was. <laughs> oh, let's see. I, I'd have to, it's hard to tell turkey stories and not give away locations mm -hmm. up here. I don't need to do that. <laughs> oh. I tell you what, let's talk about that time me and you had that uh, eight-hour hunt yeah. on Easter weekend. That's a good one. Okay. Uh, if I remember right, you were in a slump. I was in a bad slump. Bad slump. He, he was in a bad way mentally because he hadn't shot a turkey that year. And uh, we finally got on a place on public land in Mississippi. And uh, I don't. We, the first time we'd been in there, I think. The first time either of us had been in there. We looked at it, he scouted on Onyx, thought it may hold a turkey or two, and uh, went in there one day blind and uh, hadn't heard anything until about 8 o'clock in the morning, finally walked enough and uh, dumped, dumped up into one. And uh, we thought it was going to be a 15-minute hunt when he first gobbled because, I mean, you hear one gobble at 8.30 in the morning. As soon as the first time you yelp, he's... Yeah, it was a good and, feeling. Uh, we're like, man, 
we was, uh, we was already petting him before we even seen him. <laughs> but uh, anyway, we set up on him and started talking with him. And he answered us real good, started coming. And what did he get, about 100 yards? Yeah, enough and, so it, that we were starting to think about trying to see him. Enough where we I, – I remember, like, we finna see this turkey. He's finna show up. And uh, sat there, went quiet. And 15, 20 minutes later, we yelped again, and he gobbled, and he's 200 yards away. Yeah. And at that point, I remember saying to you, we may be in here for a minute. Yeah. We may be here for a minute. Uh, so anyway, we com- com- commenced to having a battle. Back and forth, back and forth, he came. Every time we'd yelp at him, he'd come to about 100 yards, and uh, we'd go quiet because we are expecting to see him. And a few minutes later, we yelp again. He's back in the same spot. How long did that go on, three or four hours? Uh, by the time we shot the turkey, it was like almost 2 o'clock, I think. So mm-hmm. Wasn't it? Yeah. Something like that? It was 1 or 2 o'clock, and we'd been in there since 5 a.m. Uh, <clears throat> so... Finally, we almost give up on this sucker, and we're like, well, let's make a, a, a circle around, see if we get on the other side of him, because it's a big, big open hardwood bottom we got to cross, and we're scared he's going to see us. Finally, we go back to where we came, about a quarter of a mile, go back down in the bottom, cross the creek, up the hill, come back around. We get over there and yelp and don't hear nothing. Hmm. And uh, we're standing there. We actually sit by a tree, sit down to just see what's going on for a few minutes mm-hmm. and then we hear a turkey drumming yeah and we hear a turkey drumming for 35 minutes and we're sitting there and can't figure out where he is and he we quit hearing it wait another 20 30 minutes yelp no gobbles we're like okay we yeah. don't we don't know what happened at this point so we're like, oh, well, let's learn about this. Let's learn about the woods over here and go up there and see where he was so we can maybe get him tomorrow. And we walk up there on this little hill, and it's a, it's a hill that gradually falls off in that creek bottom we had to cross. And uh, we get up there, and we're like, okay, this is where they're hanging out. We start seeing scratching and uh, just a lot of turkey sign on this hill. And uh, do you remember the next part? Well, I remember. I remember us hitting the no, deck. I remember you. You were trying to. You pulled up your binoculars, and you went to look, and all of a sudden your knees buckled. You just yeah. It, it was all. I seen the turkeys fan. And well, let me like Jordan at the time is about ninety pounds heavier than he is now. It's like so, an elephant. And he's like standing straight up, and all of a sudden Jordan just just falls and i'm like what i'm standing there like what are you doing which i mean (laughs) then what had happened is you saw the turkeys and then i mean that went back and forth for another 20 minutes yeah until they finally came and the well the 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 latter part of the story i'm somewhat proud of somewhat not but (laughs) yeah we uh we finally barely crawled to the edge of a tree i think i'm laying down and you get to where you can shoot because yeah. you, you hadn't shot a turkey and it was your turn to shoot yeah. so you're you were priority and uh finally we start yelping and he gobbles yeah and it's two of them mm-hmm. and we're like oh boy and then a hen fires up and she starts coming and she showed up first and jumped up on a log and he's right behind her then he jumped up on a log and then we're all sitting there like yeah on a stare down match hoping he ain't seeing us yeah and uh that was 
pretty cool because Lake actually, as soon as he jumped off that log, he shot him. Yeah. That was one of those hunts. I know a lot of people in there. Who's ever been in a battle like that, like, for hours? Yeah. It is, Them it is a mental ones. challenge, I'll well, tell you that. The thing that Jordan is like, I don't know if you're leaving it out on purpose, but... <laughs> I wanted you to tell on yourself. There was actually two gobblers, and the second one was, like, hanging back, probably, like, what, 60 yards? And I, I guess it was just so much pent-up energy and... I don't know, and just we talked about this the other day. I think there's a generation of turkey hunters. Like I don't think the tur the generation slightly younger than us will do this because they'll the only thing they'll know is tungsten. But if you didn't shoot tungsten, you have this habit when you shoot a turkey, you get up and you run, like you run. Mm -hmm. Like the mo the finality is not found when you squeeze the trigger. The finality is when you get to that turkey and you you possess him. You know, you, you make sure he's not going anywhere. So. I shoot, and in like the back of my head, because the other turkey's back there strutting when I shoot and shoot this other one, and I in the back of my head, I hear Jordan go, wait, but I was already like 10 yards running at the turkey, so it just, they all flew off. Then um, your leg was asleep. Yeah, so I fell down. Um, <laughs> I ran, like I got up, took two steps, immediately fell back down, and then I got to the turkey, and then we celebrated, and then when we were like, a mile and a half into our three-mile walk back to the truck, Jordan said, you know, you could have waited. I might could have shot that other one is what he hit me with. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but that was, a, that was a memorable hunt. I remember for a long time just because yeah. we worked really hard for that turkey. And, you know, uh, those kind of hunts don't come around every day mm -hmm. and uh, have that kind of battle just for hours on end. And finally you win. Yeah. Um, so before I tee up this next one, I, to those of y'all out there, I'm, I'm assuming most of y'all are still in school at Mississippi State. And I'll tell you this from like a retrospective point of view. Um, these years that you got in school where you can like dodge a class here and there, be late, you know, for a morning of turkey hunting, like soak those in because you, you'll end up like I, I, and I think I only spent like between community college and then leaving for primos, I only spent like two years up here, but I look back at them so very fondly. Um, someone else that does, like I said, if you read Hunter's book, uh, Hunter writes a tale or two about some turkey hunting mm -hmm. stories that took place at his time in Starkville. So you kind of do whatever it is that you do. You can put it uh -huh. into words better than I can. Well, kind of like Jordan said, I don't want to give away too much. I don't know more than a handful of people would have bought the book. I wouldn't have named the chapter Knoxby. Well, it's already but, out there, man. I, I mean, mean, number one Amazon bestseller for the nation but, of Turkey uh, or whatever. No, I got I got plenty of stories to tell about just places around here, not necessarily specifically that one, but uh, just the college years in general. Th those were some of the best times that I can remember kind of growing up and getting getting really going turkey hunting. It kind of comes in waves, I feel like. And when I was a kid, I went a lot and then, about high school started picking up pretty good, and then it, you start finding other things to do, and you go kind of when you can and don't make as much of a point to go. But then I got back up here, and that was kind of the first place I went. The day I moved in was to kind of check and make sure I was going to be able to hunt turkey somewhere, at least look for some habitable land, and was able to find it. And then I spent the next, which is this, what, when did we graduate, Seals? Or? Uh, 16. 16, so. I said, I 16, you were what? 17. Yeah, I was saying that boy. Um, then, um, no, I went a whole year just getting schooled left and right by some public land birds. Not necessarily just around here, but that was the first time I really had to because I was, you know, several hours from where I would have been able to hunt 
unfortunately, we didn't have that lease in the morning. I never really kind of had to get out in there. And um, No, nah, I remember thinking that there was a couple times where I thought I was just hearing a gobble for the sake of hearing it through my imagination. That I, there probably wasn't even a turkey I was listening to. Mm-hmm. It was just so desperate to hear one. And um, I taught a rude awakening, but I think it, in the hindsight it was a blessing because you are able to learn so much about the woods and how to understand turkey behavior and, more importantly, turkey hunter behavior. And um, I feel like I've never been out here. That's why me and Lake joked about it. I think we want to say it was last year on y'all's podcast of, you know what, we can throw the name out there. There's not much room left at the gate for no. folks to fit in anyways. I had a um, I had a spot. I mean, it, we had several spots, mm-hmm. you know. But I had a spot over there that I just – I just it, it held a closer spot in my heart mm-hmm. than some of the other ones did. And this has been four years ago. I found myself, I can't remember if I was filming or something one morning, but the next day I was going to have to drive right through Starkville yeah. to get back to the headquarters. And so I was like, if I wake up really early, I can break day at my mm-hmm. you know the spot that I love the most. And I used to have like this little access point and, you know, occasionally I'd see a boot track or another in there. I go sneaking through in there, and I go to my little access point, and it looked like a someone might as well poured cement mm-hmm. there and said, "Enter here to get to the turkeys." I mean, it was it was not how I left it, but no. you know, that's how it is. And 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 I ran into a lot of people that I wind up calling friends, you know, out here in some situations yeah. like that. But I remember, I mean, the most memorable hunt I had out here, we probably ain't gonna talk about up here, involved two <laughs> coffee cups, but probably not necessarily a turkey hunting story. Um, but the first, my most memorable was obviously the first one I was able to, you know, actually catch up with out here. And that was just a, it was a quick hunt off the roost. And, and I feel like I soaked in every second of it, but, um, nonetheless, that was probably one of, one of the birds I was probably most proud of second to a, a couple of them like that 82 and one one that was probably number one, but this might be number two, the first one that I actually kind of, like you said, put hands on and, um, but just going back to those college years, as you mentioned, the first, uh, one of the more memorable stories I can think of does involve Seals and I, and it's not the one you're going to tell because we did kind of try to coordinate this. I hope. <laughs> I don't know. You might change your mind. I don't know. Um, and this one that I know people have heard about, but it was the one about um, we've been on this turkey, and it wasn't far from where you were talking about earlier. And we'd set up, I don't know how many gobblers it wanted to be. It was two or three, and we'd been fooling around with them for two hours i feel like it was probably nine thirty or so and been he'd been you know preaching on some patience and i've been preaching on some we need to get up and reposition and i guess you've won because we didn't move too much and then finally we kind of came to the collective agreement that one of us needs to move back and act like the hens walking away and hopefully to kind of in hindsight figured out that a, a cutover had been cut without us knowing and they were on the edge of that and wouldn't walk into the shadows because <laughs> those scare turkeys sometimes until they walk in them i guess but um, some, something just uh, imaginary was keeping them from coming over here. And no sooner than uh, Seals had agreed to call back about 30 yards to go uh, call down a holler or something like that, uh, I see these chalk white heads coming through. And, you know, I'm trying to motion for him to, to freeze where he's at. And uh, I guess I got your attention because you did freeze. I'm, I mean, laying down in the middle of a wide open area. And I'm sitting here just kind of. You know, counting down the steps of when they get to that range, when they get to this little sweet gum, I'm good. I can, I can pull the trigger. And um, then I'm in the back of my mind, I'm like, man, I really wish Seals was up here because we could definitely double up on one of these. And that's something that we'd been trying to do for a while was double up on some birds. And we uh, we, we had some missed opportunities there. You two, I hate to interrupt, you two, like you two individuals 
have the most stories of coulda, shoulda, woulda doubles I've ever heard yeah. in my entire life. Oh, I'm getting Literally. To, I'm getting to them in a second. <laughs> Carry on. Sorry. We, we can go on for hours about the times we didn't. Um, but hey, um, Hang on, hang on, hang on. So let me, let's do like a collective poll. Like right. if y'all are trying to shoot a double with your buddy, do you three, two, one shoot? Oh God. Or do y'all, do y'all not try to communicate at all? Does one person shoot? All right, let's, let's do it this way. If you've tried to count a double before, <laughs> count it off and it went well, put your hand up. No, that's no not way. a lot of people. I'm telling you, that's not the way. That is not. Have you, if you've ever, shot a double before and you, you kind of knew the double was a possibility but there was no counting y'all just kind of made it happen give me one that, of those those are easy that's it or maybe there's just not a lot of people that have shot doubles i don't know also not that easy yeah. um is it a, like a, i think of it like rock paper scissors shoot yeah like one two three shoot yeah seals thinks of it as like goes on scissors mm-hmm. start gotta, pulling triggers um as long as you hit the turkey, you would have. Yeah, that's, that's also in my story. <laughs> Anyhow, I'll stop interrupting you. Carry on, sir. What was I doing? Oh, so seals back here crawling, crawling around, freezes. These these birds are coming in, and um, and I mean, no sooner than they're probably ten yards away from where I'm kind of designated my little imaginary line to pull the trigger, I hear the most malfunctioning excuse of a hen call I've ever heard in my life come from behind me, and you know, all eyes point at seals. And I swear, if Lucy Kill, he would not be here on this podcast. It'd be a party of three. <laughs> because these birds were five steps from it. Luckily, they had wound up kind of easing into the, the range right before they started tucking their wings, getting ready to kind of get out of dodge. I was able to shoot one, and I looked back, you know, immediately before I even ran to the turkey, like, what in the world? What, what, what happened? What'd did you, you choke do? on it? Get a little stage fright? No. Just, just listen. It's all right, all right, all right. No, he had done the, the spot he decided to freeze – was uh, also where I was told to freeze. Yeah, you were told to freeze. You were asked to freeze, and you obliged sternly. And um, but no, that happened to be where a colony of fire ants decided to call home. And Seals was over there doing the shimmy and shuffle in the fire ants with a box call in his pocket, <laughs> cackling like he, he was flying across the creek back and forth this way and that way and that way. And these birds are like, "What in the world? Are they? What They're about to get out of here!" And I'm sitting there thinking, "My so God, Seals, Seals is doing a two-step on a fire ant man in on my, his belly in my underwear." Yeah, oh. I had gotten all my clothes off. Halfway turkey calling, <laughs> halfway doing a rain dance. <laughs> My clothes look black. I'd had 870 swivel on around there. I would have paid money to have seen that. Yeah, it was it was fun, and that was one of the several attempted doubles that wind up with zero or one, but not two. Yeah, yeah, Seals, yeah. Seals has another one in mind. I think we ain't yeah, got but one to tell. So I hope. I say I got I got two hunts leading up to our one. Okay, to all right. How many hunt stories you got to tell? Well, we we try, me and Hunter never hunted together really. Um, much, but we tried to make it a point to opening day, or opening that opening Saturday, okay. to try to get together. So it was. Uh, it took three years in a row for it to finally happen. Um, three years to kill a turkey. Three years three to shoot years a double. To double. Okay, that's kill better. turkeys all three years. Or hunter kill turkeys all three years. Okay. <laughs> so I, it's the uh, double part that's hard. Yeah, okay. the double part. Okay. So we we got on them um, that opening Saturday, and we we were on those that first year. They came in early. Yeah, they, I mean they they did exactly what they were supposed to. They we had set up and they they had come around a brush pile, and it was kind of the one. I mean, kind of yeah. your heads you count down. We weren't counting, but kind of just looking close enough at each other. Sure. And I saw Hunter get ready, so I squeezed, trying to beat him to it. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I missed. He killed. Wait, 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 wait. You saw Hunter going there to shoot. There was no count. Well, no, but it's the it's the remark about well, I saw Hunter going to squeeze, and I was trying to beat him to it. Well, he was all, he That's was up get. and ready. I was sitting there, kind of not ready. Well, were you trying to shoot a double, or were you trying to shoot one before Hunter? No, well, that was the plan. It's for me to shoot, and then him he was going to shoot right after. So what does I'm, it sound like to you? I missed. Did you know about this plan, Hunter? No. No, I shot two. <laughs> I saw him getting up. You know, the reason why y'all two struggled to kill a double was becoming ever more clear. Oh, yeah. He was like supposed to shoot, I yeah, think. I, I was supposed to shoot first. But I, I was about But I saw him trying to cut me, so I kind of pulled up uh-huh. and tried you to beat him too. forever. So, yeah. all right. So, that happened the first year. Hunter killed one. I missed. The second year, same opening Saturday. And I promise you, we probably weren't eight feet from that same tree. That yeah, we no. Were on. Yeah. So, they didn't come in right at daylight. I mean, it was probably 9.30 before we shot. Mm-hmm. But they came in, running. and again, we I think I was supposed to shoot again. No, and you I, shot, and I didn't shoot at all. I had my gun on my lap. I said, we ain't doing this again. We'll let you shoot, and then I grab my gun to shoot the second. Oh, so one and, and one, one two. That, no, that was the third year. Uh, the second year, we both pulled up, and we both shot at the exact same time. And he said, did you kill it? And I said, no, did you kill it? So, anyway, he – we. Concluded that he killed it. And then the third year, we were sitting on the same trees that we missed the first time. And that's what happened. He had his gun in his lap. I shot, and that second one kind of looked up, and he shot, and we finally concluded our double. Sounds like there's a lot of arguing between you and him. Maybe you know, I shouldn't hunt together a lot. <laughs> that's why I was only that's once the, a year. That's why we limited the one week in a year. That's the yeah. one thing I picked up with this. It was like, no wonder y'all only hunt one day out of <laughs> here. You shoot, no, I shoot, I'm going to shoot before he shoots. No, and then we get in the arguments. No, no, you shoot. No, you shoot. Yeah, no, 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 you shoot. <laughs> okay. Talk we about shoot. the countdown. That so, hunt from last year, man, you had in Michigan. Yeah. It's, uh, this is like one of the main sources of why I wanted to do the poll of count or no count or just communicate the best you can and make it happen. I have never tried to count off a double that I've shot in my entire life. There's just been communication beforehand if there's two shooters that if two turkeys come in, you have a primary guy, you know, and this guy's going to shoot first, and he shoots, and then the second guy tries to pick off the other one. That's just how we've always done it. Out of the people that I've been lucky enough to shoot a double with, I've shot more with Jordan than I've shot with anyone because him and I hunt together a lot because of what we do for a living. Um, so this is, I mean, this is a fresh story. This is last the last spring. Um last hunt of the year and uh day two or three well that doesn't matter but day two yeah we get on these turkeys late morning and um we were confused we thought it was one turkey that was we couldn't pinpoint it ended up being you know two turkeys here and another one elsewhere that's why the gobbles were sounding so different location we figured out later but uh we, we'd start going this direction and then these would gobble and we would start walking that way and that one would gobble we was going like this yeah it was a real it yeah and uh so we end up sitting down and we're not sitting like close to each other like we can jordan can whisper to me i can whisper to him and we can hear each other fine but we're not shoulder to shoulder we actually we weren't really sitting on a tree it was like a cut cornfield at a place we'd got permission on and this little finger of uh well, it started as trees, and then at the That's point like of it, wind road thing. yeah, it kind of dwindled down. There was just some little bushes and scrub brush and stuff, so we're just kind of getting hit best we could. And uh, Jordan's sitting on the left, I'm sitting on the right, and so he shoots turkey on the left, I shoot the turkey on the right, you know. And all of a sudden, I saw the turkeys first. I said, Here they come, and Jordan couldn't see them, and they're running in. And 
doing the thing. And um, just for clarification, I think it was me that said, I got the one on the right, you get the one on the left. Cool, cool, you were all good. Um, at this point, the turkeys are like at 45, 50 yards, and they're not running anymore. They're just on a steady walk. I mean, they're just walking. You know, they're not – one of them's kind of halfway strutting. The other one's just walking. They're looking around. And uh, Jordan, I said, out of all the doubles we've shot, we've never counted off a single one. I cannot emphasize that enough. And all of a sudden, Jordan goes, three, <laughs> two. And I'm like <laughs> – <laughs> and at this point, the turkeys are like 35 yards. And I'm like, is he going to say – because he doesn't even say one. He just, that's, all, that's all Jordan says. Three, to count it off in your head at that two, point. and I'm going, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? What do I do? No, nothing was ever said. Finally, like, you just hit that point. Like, my, the red dot had been sitting on that turkey's waddles for a long enough time. I just couldn't and stand I, and it, it anymore. And an awkward amount of time had passed between two and nothing. Yeah. I mean, it was like three, two – Boom! <laughs> and well, I heard one shot. Heard one shot. Both turkeys go flopping. And so I stand up and I see these turkeys go flopping. And so I'm like, and I'm like, did I just shoot both of the turkeys? And then I look, they're like, what, like seven yards apart? Oh, that's so I'm like, there's no way. And I look over and Jordan, sh- you know, Jordan's chamber's open and I'm shucking a shell. And Jordan's like, I thought I killed both of them. I was like, I thought I killed both of them. <laughs> but. We both killed them. So. Yeah, it worked out well. There was just a slight moment of kerfuffle there that uh, it almost got away from us. But you'll have that, Austin. Yeah. You'll have that. Yeah. So um, I wanted to get into a topic that I thought would at the very least be entertaining for these kind folks. Oh, Lord. Uh, there's, there's etiquette, and then there's hunting etiquette. Yep. And then there's turkey hunting etiquette. Mm-hmm. Am I wrong? I mean, uh, so... That like probably the age old and most common asked topic when you bring up like hunting etiquette is your buddy takes you to a place on public land, right? And then the question is, are you allowed to go back there later? That question that question has been asked a thousand times. This is the 2022 version. Hmm. Okay, buddy calls you. He wants to take you to a place. It's on public land, so it's free game. Okay, everyone's gonna have to weigh in on this, so pay attention. Buddy calls you, says he wants to take you to something, something, something piece of public land. And you say, heck yeah, man, I'm in. When you get to said spot, you look and you have already dropped an Onyx pin there as a place that you were potentially going to go check out. At that point, what do you do? Depends, like, on, depends on how good of a buddy he is. How good the land is. Fair. Okay. Well, how many turkeys you got? Well, okay. No, no, no. Well, all right. Well, there's tur- there's reason enough for you to want to go back. Okay. So, like, this isn't all right, Austin, Hunter. This isn't Austin, but take take it like a friendship, just a notch below Austin. Because I mean, like, if I know if it was Austin, you'd be like, I'd go back there whether there was a pen or not. You know. So this like take it a notch below. You go in there and you don't even know it till you get in there. You pull it up. You go, oh man, mm-hmm. I dropped a pen on this. I meant to go look. He'd already went to look. He's he He's took gone. you there. Okay, you're he, you're his. Yes. Yes. He took you it's there. Courtesy of him. He said, "Man, this spot's awesome. You got to see it." Mm. What do you do? I think anything like that, when it comes to like you mentioned the th- the turkey hunting etiquette, it's communication mainly. That's when stuff starts getting real hazy and people start 
getting out of line, I think, when it comes to uh, friendships burning over a turkey pen, because I know that does happen. And I mean, when you love it that much, you know, that's an, that's that's like some fine jewelry those mm-hmm. pens can be. Um, <laughs> but um, but no, communication is key in all of that, and 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 like just honest respect for the most part is, you know, I, I'm more of a I know me and Seals kind of get at it like we were talking about, but a lot of that's jokingly. But um, but more so, ask like if I was going to go back or like I would be open about like I was planning to check this place out and make sure he knew that, and then when if there was reason to go back, ask if he wants to go back with me, yeah, probably you yeah. know, and then if he says no, um, and like kind of let him lead it on, like you can go if you want. If he doesn't, be like, all right, well, you know, I, I guess I'll try somewhere else, you know. Mm-hmm. And they're like, that's a good idea, like point taken probably you know he probably don't want me back in there and like and i respect that like i, I wouldn't like not you know kind of abide by that you know i'm gonna come back to you jordan how depend, do you? it depends on if we kill a turkey in there or not that morning well how does it depend on that because if we do i'm not going back <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> austin <laughs> I'm, I'm the same way with hunter is i would i would communicate with them and Kind of, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily ask if they wanted to go back. I would just kind of ask if they were planning to go there. Mm-hmm. If they're not planning to go there, then mm-hmm. why, why leave it open? If I don't go back there, then somebody else may. What, yeah. I, what I normally would do, because I've been in this situation before, similar to a spot, not like where I dropped a pin, but like on the same yeah. section. Yeah. And uh, normally what I do is figure out if my buddy's planning on going back mm-hmm. there ever again. Like, man, are you going to go back there? Because I am. So you you're ain't. directly going to ask him. Yeah. You're not going to try I'm to figure that out. It. This no. is true. Yeah. That's, that's, I mean, that's the way I normally do it. Hey, mm. you going, are you going to hunt there anymore? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. But if he is, I'm going to be respectful of that because he took me in there in the first place, even right. though I hadn't I had marked it, but I hadn't scouted yeah. it or found it. I would imagine, like I said, I know, like <clears> I would <throat> imagine situations like that are liable to come up, especially in oh, this yeah. day and age of Onyx and everything, you know? Um, I can't think of one where I had already dropped the PM, but I mean, if he'd already, I mean, if he's taken you, he's been there, he's done, he, he got beat. Pretty, even if, even though true, he's your friend, true, he got beat. True. Now, you know? So this is one, this next question that I got, this is based off of one of the most like bizarre interactions I ever had oh, hunting on National Forest. Uh, just by, UFO type bizarre? No, I wish it was. It's ah. just like, like, common like the way things that everyone has a general understanding of how that's supposed to work so i'm sitting at this gate and i got there at like 2 a.m because i knew i was was trying to be the first truck at the gate you know and uh i get there and it's getting about time for me to start walking and i see some headlights and a guy gets in and he parks like right behind me where i can't get out and uh and at first, I'm like, what do we got? You know, what we got going on here? So I ease out of the truck, and as soon as I get out of the truck, I hear this guy go, hey. And I go, hey, how's it going? And straight as an arrow, if I'm lying, I'm dying. The guy's like, look, I've never hunted this national forest before in my life. I'd really like to find some good spots. Do you mind if I follow you in? I'm dead serious. I'm dead serious. So, I like, I'll I'll – reveal how i handled that but i so like all right jordan take it away what would i do in this yeah situation? what would you do the guy and he's i mean i mean seriously seemed like just a super nice guy just uh, depends on how much money he got <laughs> <laughs> but i mean who would 
All right, no money on the table. No. I mean, what are you going to say? What I'd be like, say? man, I'd rather not. This is sold out. Like, this is not the way we do things. Hmm. Just yeah. the way it is. I'd pull up my Onyx real quick and drop a pin down the road. Somewhere? Yeah. And tell them to take just out? Just a random place and tell them this is a good place. This is a good spot, man. Take off. Yeah. Hunter? So, if he, so he's... He's not wanting to, like, get in a turkey hunt. He knows how to turkey hunt. He's ain't been on this land before. I mean, he, the way that he was dressed, mm-hmm. led. He, I didn't look at him and go, this guy don't know a stitch yeah. of what he's doing, you know. Or does he? I, I, you know. Yeah, it could be just playing dumb. Well, pulling, I couldn't ju- well, I couldn't just look at him and go yes or no, yeah. you know. I, that's, I probably could have. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I'd, well, I'd, 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 I'd yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've been nice about it. Based like, off of his asking of that question, I told him, I said, "Man, look, where I'm going is going to be a long way in there." And I said, "There's going to come to where the, the place that I was going, like you got like the little actual trail that was there would lead you so far, mm-hmm. and then it just stopped." I said, "You can follow me into that trail, but from there, you're on your own." Yeah. Um, and but you don't want to get in an unsafe situation either. Somebody. That you don't know, just kind of just wandering, like knowingly wandering around a, a radius of you, and I don't think that's you know a, a good idea mm-hmm. for the most part. I've had that happen to me out here. Telling you no. Yeah, yeah. Uh, man, look, it's a safety thing. Yeah, just go, you know, like a couple miles, miles from here from me, several miles from away. anywhere close to me. Yeah, um, <laughs> I tell you, like, like I know I'm kind of going back to just public land stories in this general vicinity, but. Um, <laughs> So, like, the most memorable one that ever happened to me, uh, so my cousin Tanner was up here. We happened to be up here at the same time. And uh, we had a souls, 8 a.m. souls class. And uh, I had been, prior to the season before this, I was like you. Like, I hunted a whole season on the public stuff out here and just got royally got my teeth kicked in. Keith ticked in. Keith ticked in, yeah. (laughs) Who's Keith? I don't know, but he's ticked in. (laughs) Like the the first morning I ever hunted out here in that first year, I got on a turkey and thought I was about to kill him, and then somebody shot said turkey mm. like so close, about climbed the tree I was sitting on. That was about how my first season went. But uh, so cousin Tanner and I are in this soils class. We walk out, you know, it's like nine o'clock. I mean, him are kind of talking, and I'm like, man, I ain't got another class till one. And Tanner's like, well, neither do I. And I just like. We ought to go turkey hunting. And he just looked at me like, Are you serious, Clark? You know? Yeah. And I was like, yeah. And so we take out and uh, took him to this spot. And I, I felt felt like I could trust said Cousin Tanner enough to take him to this spot that I liked a lot. Walked into this spot and sat down and kind of called here and there. And I told him, I said, man, if we don't get into anything – 12 30 12 45 i got to go and he's like yeah me too if we don't get anything we'll go and then in my entire life in my entire turkey hunting career this is the only time i've ever done this and it's probably gonna be the only time i ever do this again you know how you're like be messing around with a buddy or something you pull a call out and you go eh, secret weapon you know what i mean mm-hmm. i pulled out this mouth yelper and i said secret weapon I popped that thing in my mouth and i clucked twice and i yelped and the turkey gobbled and standard just looked at me with his eyes and and it ended up being like a, we struck him at like maybe a quarter after 12 and then 12, I remember I picked up my phone after we had killed him and it was like 1246 mm. and I was just like, well, I guess we're not making class today. But uh, the funny thing was, and 
especially the the other part of this story jordan will know does not sound it's not surprising at all but the turkeys ended up we based us off we were sitting on a ridge but we were sitting just on the downward hill hill side of it so if the turkeys came they would have to at least get on the same side of the ridge as us to see what was going on over there and so the turkeys are like at 25 yards there's two of them and i'm losing my mind because there's two strutting turkeys at 25 yards and it's just kind of what i do when that happens and i shoot and the turkey kind of falls over and then the turkey stands back up and then the turkey runs and so do i <laughs> up up and away and i end up running and shooting them again I and mean, we got them and everything but again you jordan knows better than anybody that doesn't sound like too unfamiliar of a story <laughs> yep but um now yeah those and those you run into that etiquette stuff yeah so the the other one that i would lead with so like you, you go with a guy right and private land public land whatever you go with a guy and you get out there and the guy's absolutely awful from top to bottom from his calling from his decision making from where he wants to hide everything it's just bad hmm. do you say anything to him or because he is taking you to this spot, this is his hunt, do you just keep a quiet mouth and just let it unfold as it may? Let's let Hunter take this one first. <laughs> I've turkey hunted once with Hunter. I know what he's going to say. Have you ever held a flashlight for your dad and it was never right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you got the call that he likes. Yeah. Then then we wait on that call and I'm not touching one. Mm-hmm. But not. There's a... Mm, I mean, I don't know. I mean... If I think it's helping the hunt, it's like pump you up and do more. But if it ain't, do less. Do less. Kind of deal, yeah. I mean, uh, if it's on his place, I mean, I don't – I'm just I'm, – I'm learning how to hunt with people. All right, guys? Um, you know, I spent a long time hunting by myself, so it's, it is a new ball game hunting with people, and and there's no getting around. It was just by preference. I like to hunt by myself, and it was well, easier. Two I mean, people walking is louder. And from what few stories we've heard of you hunting with your best friend, I can. It seems to be a common thread that you may just need to be by yourself. Yeah. You is it by choice that you hunt by yourself, or just nobody will go hunt? I like with to you? think it's uh, by choice, but uh, <laughs> um, I, can, I can tell you a story about him talking about that. We had a guy come down um, hunting with us. I guess it was, it was 2020 because it was right oh, when COVID oh. hit. And we got out there, and the guy was kind of timid at first about calling. He pulled out a box call, and it had to be the worst sound I've ever heard. Mm. And I, I what, it was, did, what did it sound like? I, a, a dying chicken. Imitate <laughs> it. I, I can't do it. No, don't. You're good. You don't but have I, to do but, that. But, but he pulled it out and started going, and I, as soon as he did it, I just looked down because I knew what was coming. And he got done yelping, and Hunter looked at him and said, you got to put that in the truck. Well, my best, but it's not coming back out in your hands. What was the, what was the reaction? Like, what did the guy do? He just kind of I mean, I, it looked like a deer in the headlights for a second. He's like, all right, I'll put it up. I'll put, I'll put I just it. thought it was I'm, just a little, little too loud. It wasn't, he was good at it. It's just they'd already heard that before, yeah. probably. I'll tell you. Because it was on your place, probably. So, like, one of the most drastic reactions I've seen to this kind of scenario. So, like, Will Primo's. Does he he will do it in like the most his intentions are pure like he's just trying to make the hunt better you know he's like we're out here we're putting forth effort we might as well 
you know, Do good not try to spook the turkey or anything. But, like, when Will, if he sees something happening, Jordan knows, if he sees something happening that he thinks is wrong, like, he'll, he'll get on it. And we were hunting with this outfitter in Missouri that shall remain nameless. And the guy just – if y'all have turkey hunted out state out of state a lot, you'll know sometimes if you get too far out of the southeast, I'm not saying one way's right and one way's wrong, but the way that we turkey hunt tend to turkey hunt down here and then you, you travel out, it just seems to be a little bit a little bit different, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh there was this turkey goblin and we we walked up on a turkey free goblin in the afternoon. Like we just walk into a spot and it's like a quarter after two and there's just and so, every, you know what I mean? You run into a situation like that, you just kind of go. Thank <laughs> you, Lord. The one you, you hope know? for. Yep. Exactly. <clears throat> you went to church on Sunday, didn't you? Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, this fella, like, we sit up on the turkey, and the turkey's, like, close-ish. I mean, if I remember right, he's probably, like, 150. And we're kind of in a big creek bottom with these big open trees. And the guy, the turkey gobbles. And I, I, I don't know if the guy, the poor guy was just excited or what, but I mean, like we're sitting there like, all right, and this open stuff, 150 getting closer over time, we're about to be looking at him. And uh, the guy leans out and goes, he's that way. Oh. And he like full leans out and his arm, he tried to say, he's that way. But he gets about right here and Wilbur goes, don't you move. And the guy just, <laughs> just sucks back into the tree. And the guy afterwards, Will was like, "Look, man, I just get intense in the moment, and I, you know, it's it's cool, it's good." Jordan knows because he's about the same way. Yeah, I tend to snap. Tend. Yeah, I do. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think? My dad's sitting over here. He knows. If anyone listened to those podcast episodes where we called Bo or in here, has anybody listened to the podcast where uh, we got our deer report from Bo Blissett? Okay, there he is right here. That's the legendary Bo Blissett. He sits right there. (laughs) But I tend to, tend to, doesn't matter who I'm with. If something's happening that I think it may not even be wrong, but Mm -hmm. I think it's wrong. We're finna know about it. Yeah. Like I've heard Jordan try to correct Will before. That bold strategy, Cotton. (laughs) (laughs) See how that pans out. Mm Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm quick to accept it too. Like I've been by some like my little brother Breck's uh vicious on I mean he'll I mean just ruthless. He'll be like, That call sucks. I'm like, All right, give put that away. It hurt my feelings yeah. a little bit, but uh, okay. <laughs> um to switch it over, like we'll go from like the question stuff to switch it over to some tactic stuff because I know had you guys you had some folks in some some wanted to do mm-hmm. topics in. We can cover some of this, and then we can see if anyone's got any questions to, to actually ask. Um, some, they were talking about, like, preseason scouting, like yeah. things you can be doing right now. And that is like a – that can be a daunting task, so to speak. You know, I remember hearing folks when I was just getting into it and getting to where I could drive and, you know, actually was able to put forth a, a genuine effort into turkey hunting, you know. People keep saying preseason scouting and scouting a place out. And I was like, I don't really even know. You know, I could say it to try to sound like I fit in with the turkey crowd, but I don't really even know what I'm supposed to be doing. Walk around looking for scrapes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're like, well, I didn't see any turkeys while I was out. I don't think that went like it was supposed to, you know. Um, but really, the world of that has changed a bunch, especially with Onyx and e-scouting and stuff like that. Um so if we could, like I said, we'll, we'll talk about this a little bit more before we see if anyone's got any questions. Mm-hmm. But, like, 
So you, Hunter, you, I don't, just a new place you've never been to before. Private, public, doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. But if you're just looking at it from a scouting perspective, e-scouting or walking around actually putting boots on the ground out there, what are you, what are you going to do? I'm going to probably always start off with, like you said, with the, with the e-scouting, you know, um, once I kind of pick an area, especially like say I get a draw or something, I'm, it's pretty easy to kind of, you have your own boundaries drawn for you. Sure. You don't have to, you know, wander too far. Mm-hmm. Um, after that, I will try to at least, if I'm going to, the first step is kind of, I like to go around and using just a regular pin drop feature. And I love how you can color coordinate stuff. So mm-hmm. I can know what this means and that means. But seeing which gates are open, which gates aren't really a road, stuff like that, that could potentially, if you get there and there's not one goblin, and I mean, you don't want to waste precious time in the mornings on, you know, especially if you got a two-day draw. Mm-hmm. Seeing which gates are open, which one's a real road, which one used to be a road, and it just happens to still be on a map, you know, so you don't think, well, this is a good spot according to this ridge, and, you know, it's got some water around it. It must be a good spot, and you get there, and it ain't. It's a rabbit patch now. Mm-hmm. Um, but actually getting out there and, and really still, you can do this from the phone, and then um and then I'll go through and find creeks and stuff like that and kind of where it transitions into, you know, just more habitable land. And, and there's a rule of thumb that I still think I'm crazy for, but it's one of those that once it was in the back of my mind, I can't seem to find a lot of correlation. I don't think it is much causation as it is correlation, but the Omegas, Puzzle Pieces, and uh, what's the other one? Horseshoe or something like that. I can't remember. Omegas and puzzle pieces. You're speaking Spanish. I'm telling you. Omega. If it looks like a like a creek goes like this, it goes out and comes back in. For some reason, peninsula is that narrow down like an hourglass shape. Yeah. 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 Mm Mm-hmm. And like there's just something about whatever caused that also causes something to do with the open ground or something. I just always find birds roosted within 150 yards of that. So I'll circle that on a paper map. I like printing off maps. Yeah. I like, I mean, I like using on X, but I like looking at a paper map to start. And then, uh, then it gets into like sound and circling paper maps that, that goes right in with the generation that like gets up and runs to turkeys a second they pull the trigger. I like never I walk can, to a turkey. I can remember walking around out here. And I feel super old saying it, but I can remember walking around and be like, huh, and reach into my oh, vest yeah. and pull out this map and look at it. Is that upside down? <laughs> you know? But yeah, it's, I, I don't think there's too many of the generation up and coming that's going to be circling any paper, but yep. I, I know what you mean. Man, uh, as far as e scouting goes, I would put Jordan, not to just blow smoke at him, Jordan is like, I would say, an above average talent. As far as like looking at a place on a on a on a digital map like Onyx and and picking that apart and figuring out where to go, so not to put you on the spot, but if you could just you know walk me through like some things that you commonly look for, turkey hunting, right? Yeah, where yeah, are we at? Me. What state? Don't matter. Well, pick one. We're in Nebraska, Indiana. Indiana. Okay. okay. This is fresh on my mind because I've been doing. Well, some I was stuff just there. trying to put very. I wouldn't want to safe places from here. We'll have people mad at us. No, I'm just terrain's got a big deal with it. Whether it's the eastern hardwood plains and yeah. piney woods mm-hmm. and all that, it has a lot to do with where I start looking. Uh, Midwest, Indiana, you got a lot of crop fields, primarily this ag country, mm-hmm. with creek drainages and the public land and stuff are going to be the majority of your big timber. Uh, <clears throat> What I will do is I'll try to find, if I'm hunting public, 
I'll find the closest public access that's got ag fields around it with a live creek. Mm-hmm. That's where we start. Yeah. <clears throat> and if it's not available, kind of audible. But if you can find that, uh, seems like the more transitions you have with different types of terrain and features that turkeys are going to go to to feed, especially during the wintertime and early spring, they're, uh, they're focused a lot on the existing mass crops that are mm-hmm. le- left on the ground and, uh, you know, the cornfields and that kind of thing. They're going to be in on a lot. But uh, I like, as uh, far as finding a turkey you like to go listen from or whatever around those fields, that is uh, a lot of times, like Hunter was talking about those creek bends, mm-hmm. where that bends back towards a a crop field, mm-hmm. usually in between the crop field and uh, the creek, there should be a turkey there. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of times, there's one in the vicinity yeah. anyway, you can get ears on them. But uh, one thing we've done a lot over the last couple of years is uh, when we take off traveling to a new place, uh, drop a couple dozen pins on mm-hmm. prospective properties, and we'll actually take a half a day to three quarters of a day if we've on like Michigan last year, for for instance, we were there for three days. That's how yeah. long we had to hunt. We rode in a truck the whole first day. Ninety mm-hmm. percent of the time, you would be wanting to get out in the woods and yeah. you know burning the rubber. To interject a little bit there, that's where a lot of folks, if you're tackling a new place or traveling to another state, you run into a lot of folks when they hear us kind of give them that little bit of advice. And the only reason we give that bit of advice is because we've done it so much and we found it to be effective. It's so easy to be like, I'm wasting my time just riding these roads and exploring. I need to be in the woods. I need to be trying to yelp at one. You you put yourself so much further ahead if you can just give yourself options. Absolutely. You can give yourself spots. You're like, well, this isn't working. I can go to this one. And you just, I mean, again, these days you go on X. Well, that was, yep. let's pick out one of these 16 pins that we dropped. Mm, you know? Yeah. And we did that last year up there and spent three quarters of a day riding and looking. And we get out of the truck and yelp, of course. And we actually struck a turkey doing that. Yep. And for whatever reason, he spooked or something. I don't know. He gobbled real close. And then we never heard or seen him again. Neither one of us was moving. I don't know. Mm. <laughs> but, uh, Anyway, that's uh, that's something far as e-scouting is finding places on the map that look good to you that should hold turkeys and don't bet on one just being the best one. Right. Go f- go check them out as soon as you get there and spend half a day or a whole day looking at them, seeing what's going to be the best with the best sign. I mean, hunt while you go. You may mm-hmm. uh, you may get on the right one the first stop. You know, so that's uh, that's what I like to do is have a lot of options and uh, a lot of variety and. Uh, terrain and the landscape mm-hmm. austin you got any like you got any mad wisdom no i mean i i just started using the onyx or the scout or whatever but mm-hmm. when, when me and hunter will go out of state around home on private land it's not a scout it's not that big of a well I mean, you're hunting stuff mm-hmm. that you know right. yeah sure but he's gotten where he'll drop ten thousand pins and then we'll kind of look at them together and decipher where we're gonna put boots through. on the ground yeah. and, and in that pattern and since going out of state, it's, that's helped us pretty good bit. Mm-hmm. And a lot is to, to check the weather and time of year, too. If it's going to be raining, I'm going to right, kind of shift focus to some open areas. And if it's going to be or, you know earlier when there probably is a good bit of mass crop still and, you know, mm-hmm. hollows and stuff, you know, I'm going to yep. just, you know, make that a little more centric in the each gal. Sure. But, but like Jordan said, always have an audible because it happened to us last year in Florida when we went. I mean, we drove 12 hours not having a clue. 
about anything other than looking at Onyx. And if Hunter, we got there and it was bad windy. Hmm. And if Hunter wouldn't have had a backup plan to where we go, and that was actually. If it's windy or. Yeah, if it's windy, then we actually killed a turkey that first evening because he had a. If it's windy, we're going to go here. If it's raining, we're going to go here and start. Yeah. And it worked out. Yeah. And one thing, like hunting our deer camp or anything like that or the Primo's land, you know, uh, you drop the pins and, you know, it'll save a date on it from the year before. Yep. And a lot of times they are productive the same time of season the next year yep. or real close. Yeah. So color coordination on that's a big thing, too. I've got a spots that are scout spots i put them a different color spots that we've been i put them a different color and productive spots they're they're mm-hmm. they're they're black yeah i it's a, especially like this now like a, a grab your phone which mm-hmm. one to look for <laughs> well i mean like seriously the more you use on x yeah like i ser- like now either of us pull our map up and you have to like zoom in to mm-hmm. find anything because there's just so many waypoints you start like I feel like it's a, a good tip to give to people these days because like uh, you learn to take heavy heavy advantage of one like the type of waypoint. If you don't pick a type, it just pops up as like the little pin shape and an X, mm-hmm. and it's going to automatically make it red. You start picking like particular. I mean, like it's got. Every, I mean, it's got turkeys. It's got turkey stratchings. It's got yeah. turkey tracks. It's got tree stand. I it's got to roost ask tree. You, I found a Sasquatch pin. You put <laughs> that was for in, when in Minnesota. I don't remember. I really <laughs> I do don't. Recall. I, I used to do that, like if I was trying to keep it a secret. I can't. I don't know. There's no telling. <laughs> There's a Sasquatch on there. There's no telling. But uh, yeah. I, okay. So here's what we'll do. We'll open the floor for questions if anybody has any. I hope and, so. And whenever that runs out, we'll give some stuff away. Y'all good with that? Y'all got any more like huge tidbits of wisdom to drop on these people before we see if they want to ask anything to? us i'm just glad to see him yeah it's good to be back i really, like i'll say it again like it, like the amount the, the fact that this many people showed up for this i'm i'm throttled yeah I don't, yeah it's awesome so anyhow anybody questions anything you want to ask to the peanut gallery up here speak up or forever hold your peace here we go i got one right here my favorite primo's call which uh which type diaphragm box call or box call uh heartbreaker or tall timber they're both really good i'm a um i love the tall timber but if i have to pick one like the heartbreaker was the first the little heartbreaker specifically was the first like box call that i was like you know i'm uh i'm pretty partial to my tall timber that's that's my go-to on bad days when you're just trying to do something for it whether it's better or not it's a it's a mental game changer because mm-hmm. you feel like yeah this one's gonna do it yeah that joke sound good anybody else or right there oh, land smathers you don't count i usually ain't patient enough to let them hit the ground i gotta talk to them whether it's good or not sometimes it ain't but it is what it is if there's like, there's been very few instances, not saying it was the right decision or not, but there's been few, very, very, very few instances where I've had the discipline to not make at least one yelp at one or cluck or something when one's gobbling on a limb. I just can't help it. Sometimes it was even the wrong decision to make. 
I just, yeah. Yeah, I, can't. I, just I don't feel it. like I'm turkey hunting unless I yelp at one. That's right. A couple of, a couple of short, soft yelps. I always got to give it to them. But if he don't answer, you're like, oh, you <laughs> I have to call again. Yelp more. Gobble more. Y'all think I'm bad on seals. You imagine what I, how bad I cuss myself in my head if I'm sitting here <laughs> working up the courage to give a little soft tree yelp and he don't answer. I'm like, you just ruined it right yeah. here before yeah. it even He's started. He's on to you. He's crooked headed looking better. at you. You knew better. You knew the stove was hot and you just had to touch it, didn't you? Yeah. Uh. But no, I, I like to. Try, I, if I can time it right, you know, just I mean, there's I don't there's no never's always guarantees in turkey hunting, and it all depends on the bird in the morning. But you kind of trust the gut, and then I think if I can get a little bit in there, one answer right before he flies down, I like for him to think of there is a turkey over there, but not know where exactly where I'm at. I don't want to yeah. you know let, allow him to pinpoint where I'm at, because then he doesn't have to wonder much when he hits the ground. Mm-hmm. Especially if there's other, you know, hens around, then you then you kind of get in a competition and you kind of go off their call. As y'all learned last year when we all four went hunting, that they, was they an interesting hunt right yeah, there. That was a so there, very yeah. There there hunt. was one instance last year where all four of us thought it was a good idea idea <laughs> to go together. But he don't always make it to the woods in time hey. to call to a turkey on the oh, yeah, already heard yeah, I don't even. We'd already heard the turkey gobble a dozen times by the time Hunter made it there. I'm putting on my boots, running down the road. And I, I'm thinking, I'm like, this is this big-time turkey book author. No. Like, he's going to be there. He's going to be, like, smelling the wind to see if it's a good gobbling day. Like, the north stars in this, this part of the sky this morning, they're going to gobble good. I'm still directionally challenged. No, it's hard like, to find. Like Hunter comes walking up towards the like breaking daylight. Like I can't find my left glove. <laughs> um, before I have we, my gun. I'm before doing we good. go any further, I see some folks doing it. If you haven't, like before we start doing the giveaway stuff, there's yeah. a bag and there's a stack of cards and pins down there. You write your name, drop it in the bag. One. Honestly, once, you know, <laughs> that would be the preferred method. Uh, I seen Jerry over here putting about 10 cards in the bucket. <laughs> uh-huh. Also, th- there's some folks I forgot to thank at the front end. Um, Southern Beverage Company, uh, most of y'all, y'all see these ghost energy drinks sitting on the table. Um, they supplied those. So I don't know if I would drink them tonight. You may not sleep. Maybe hold on to it until turkey season starts. Uh, and then um, Second Amendment Outdoors in Corinth, Mississippi. The 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 big the big giveaway item of the night is this ready to go turkey gun, which is not it's not in the building because I don't think that would be acceptable. But uh, do I, not right now. No, yeah, we'll figure out who's going to get it first, and then we'll take the the Man, proper steps. Here. Yes, sir. Gobbles over a fence, like what kind okay. of fence? Hang on, hang on, hang on, <laughs> hang on, hang on. Is like, is this? We, or is this like? Is he over the fence? Like, I can't hunt the property on the other side. <laughs> you a good turkey hunter? You call him across the fence. Yeah, I mean, mm. honestly, I'm going to sit on my side and hope he comes. I and mean, that's the uh, honest what, truth. To I, it. I'll put it this way: like, yeah, it's tempting though. I, I know. In my mind, I'm assuming this is I'm assuming this is what you're asking. Like in my mind, I know some folks that are so finicky about that they won't even try to hunt that turkey because they feel bad trying to call the turkey to them. Like in my mind, the turkey is free game. Where I'm allowed to hunt him from is not. So make no mistake about it. I'm trying to yelp that turkey up, but I'm staying on my side of the fence. That's the honest truth. I'm, I'm not. 
not one of those guys I never never have been. Um, does that answer your question? Austin, you – that goes back to, to turkey through. hunting etiquette. Yeah, that's an etiquette question. It doesn't to me. It doesn't matter whether the neighbor hunts or not. You don't. I mean, unless you've got permission, you ain't got right to be there. So. Yeah. Say that again. That's a good one. I mean, How close do you get he, to one on the limb? It depends. Jordan, take the wheel. <laughs> I mean, it really depends. Lake and I have gotten so close, we've seen them fly off before. Yeah, they go away. Yeah. But uh, it really just depends on, uh, I mean, early in the season, it's so hard to get close to one. But uh, I will tell you this, the closer you can get to them early in the season, the better chance you yep. got because a lot of time they uh, they got some company with them or they got their own agenda for that time of year. And uh, I know one, for instance, I'm thinking about is uh, the zoo a couple of years ago. Yeah. And Lake and I first, it was opening morning, and we uh, heard that we didn't know where turkeys were. We knew they were on the place, hopefully. And uh, went in there opening morning, heard a turkey. By the time we got within calling range of him, it was pretty much daylight. Got as close as we could. He, uh, he gobbled a few times at us, but we weren't close enough to be in his way. And... Uh, Pretty much 45 minutes after daylight, the day was done with him. Like yeah. he was, he had shut up. He was doing his own thing. It was, you know, early season turkeys. And uh, the next morning, we had this grand plan. We went in there and figured out where he was at, kind of over some sloughs. I'm talking like a plan, like, like a plan. Jordan and I sat down, like, like phones on airplane mode, like we are going surround him and close in. No, like you know, I mean, we just had. We had it picked out, or we thought uh, we, we had the tree. If he was in the same spot, we were getting to, and uh, thankfully this bottom, and this goes along with your question, this bottom floods a lot, so there's no leaf matter early in the year, so it's quiet, and uh, we get in there super early that morning. He gobbles. He's in the same vicinity, and we strike out. Uh, and it's pitch black dark. We're bumping in the trees because we ain't got no lights or nothing. Just hoping we don't step on a water moccasin. But uh, we get down to a spot we wanted to sit, sit down. It gets daylight. He starts really gobbling a lot. And uh, we're like, why can't we see this turkey? And uh, it was like barely breaking daylight. It was maybe 10 minutes after legal. He, uh, I hear... And I see him, he's flying right at us. But uh, he flew about 75 yards and just one of them deals. We, I tree-yelped at him twice. He did not answer. I, sh I made myself shut up that morning. And we, and uh, he knew it and sailed right there in front of us. But it's one of them deals, uh, you kind of judge that off about how quiet you can be, mm -hmm. I think, is the biggest thing. Mm -hmm. uh, the quieter and the, if you can get in quiet, if it's really dark, you can get away with a lot. And yeah. uh, that's a big factor of it. And then, I mean, like, it gets easier as the spring moves on because you get more foliage and leaves on the tree. But the caveat to that is a lot of times there's more stuff on the ground. It takes more racket, and you're trying to walk through more stuff to get to them. So it just depends. Anybody else? Yes, sir. Okay. Yeah. I thought that one may come up. Um, that's a fair question. I'm, that's a very, very fair. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm not knocking you for, for bringing that up at all. Um, so if y'all couldn't hear him, what he asked was, since the introduction of tungsten, you hear a lot more stories of folks shooting turkeys at like these just crazy yardages, 70, 80. I heard some dude talking about shooting a turkey at 90 yards. 
Um, I don't, here's, here's where I'm at, like just being completely honest with you. I personally, I'm not going to do that. Um, the farthest I, as, as an individual, have ever shot a turkey was uh, 57 steps. I think we stepped it out at. But honest truth, I had no clue he was that distance. Um, he was in an open field. I had him guessed at like 45. And then I, I didn't realize until after I'd shot him that far. I'm not 100% sure where I sit in that ball game yet. I, I don't like it. I don't care for it to shoot one that far. To me, that's not the game that we're trying to play. But you have the other guys saying, well, with this ammunition, we can ethically kill them that far. We know we can. So I understand that. To me, that again, just to me, that's not the game we're playing. You know, it's not, yeah. it's not a long-distance game with turkeys. Any of you other well, guys care yeah. to weigh in? Yeah, I agree with you. The way I look at tungsten is, and I shoot it, is you shoot them at the same yardage you would shoot with any other shell, but you kill them quicker. It's more, no, yeah, it's more, and like you said, you've got more. It's right. looking at it as more of an insurance policy, right? Than like, a, let's see how far I can kill this turkey, right. Jordan Hunter. Yeah, I mean, uh, same same mm. ball game. That's, I mean, don't get me wrong, I've pushed the limits before, like I have, mm-hmm. and it has bit me in the butt a couple times too. In that moment, I was like, I ain't doing it no more because mm-hmm. it ain't worth it to that animal, to me, because I'm just trying to kill one. Mm-hmm. I mean, just play it again the next day but i mean if you i'm with you on that too if you got a guy that's got comfortable set up and he's like i know i can dust roll one at 60 70 yards you know that's i guess his choice yeah, yeah. but yeah. uh I, I like them close yeah, yeah. Uh, to me it's just it's the game we play like again it, it's what we were talking about you know that whole spiel i was given at the beginning of this before turkey calling and this was turned into the pursuit that it was it, folks were turkey hunting but they were just killing turkeys you know to me uh, when you when you start killing them at that distance you're not really hunting them anymore you're not playing that game you're just killing them you're you know? missing out on a lot too yeah. i mean that's i mean that's just not yeah I, I don't see that as being as fun that's what i'm saying i don't hate people that do it but mm-hmm. like i just i mean I, I like having them in my lap as much as possible but i mean sometimes they don't always get that way well, this is just opinions too yeah to us. yeah, yeah. i may make it wrong yeah, or right yeah. or whatever this is what um, we think anybody you know? else there's somebody over there. Yep. Sure. Okay. We'll try our best. Gotcha. So, so what she asked was, um, I'm sure most of y'all have seen it. If you look on social media, you're seeing a lot more folks talk about uh, nest predator trapping and you like save the poults and all that stuff. And she was asking what our opinions were because there's, correct me if I'm wrong, there's like some science that shows that isn't necessarily that effective on a large spatial scale. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I'll lead with this. Like none out of the four of us up here are wildlife biologists, so I would not put myself as like someone who can like i'm not the resource to answer this question uh i know we talked to dr marcus lashley last year um and he heard he had us talking about how he was talking specifically about coyotes um and saying you had to have like just this massive trapping regimen in place to actually see some sort of effect 
um, because of just how much they move spatially. Uh, it's hard for me to weigh in and say, like, nest predator trapping doesn't have an effect. I, it may not can – so, like, talking about the entire state of Mississippi, if one dude with 600 acres is trapping heavily on his property, I think you're, you're talking about a, a drop of fresh water in the ocean. Yeah. Uh, but I think personally, I think you can definitely have you can have positive results on an individual basis, like on an individual property. Um, yeah. Is that is that answering what you're asking at all? Yeah. Okay. It, it takes a lot of people, pretty much. Yeah. I mean, to, to to see the effect that you would like for it. You know, when it comes to it, just in, and like you said, I ain't a biologist. I listen to yeah. him just as much as the regular guy yeah. does. But there's, I mean, like as far as, I mean, if you're interested in that stuff, like um, Dr. Marcus Lashley, Dr. Mike Chamberlain, those guys know what they're doing when it talks when they're talking about that stuff. Is there any questions? Yeah, anybody else? Dr. Chamberlain, I think, did his doctorate on mm -hmm. turkey predation, mm -hmm. so he's got a lot of good that information out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah but. Mm-hmm. So you're saying a lot of the literature and science doesn't support the changing of the seasons? Okay. Um, again, like I'm putting this on the forefront, anything we say answering these last two questions, these are opinions. Um, that was a weird one. Like I know – I mean, I'm a turkey hunter too. All of us are. If you start talking about shortening the season or taking seasons away, you're you're gonna step on some toes there. Um, I will say I lay firmly in the camp of if it's good for the wild turkey and good for um, the preservation for the wild turkey in the long run, that's where you're gonna find me. That's the camp I'm gonna be in. I know, like I think a lot of the season changing is based off of some of the work that Dr. Chamberlain did. And I think I think what you're seeing here is like I think what you're seeing here is folks are seeing they're seeing that there's a problem and they're not no one knows exactly what to do so they're just try they're trying to correct it in any way that they can. Yeah, whether or not that's the right answer, I don't know. And you you mentioned like habitat would be more better, I guess, if you were to say more better, more better. <laughs> not a biology or an English major. Just gonna yeah. write a book. Don't mean I read a lot, but um. But I think that's, I mean, it kind of comes down to there's an inevitable decline if, if you notice it. And then, you know, with the, over 90% of Mississippi is privately owned land. You can't really make them do habitat work on their own land. Mm -hmm. So when you, when you like, when you don't kind of abide by, you know, your personal limits, your personal right and wrong, and, and, and the numbers kind of start getting to where they're at, then um, if it comes down to it, I call, you know, any kind of, you know, legal action, legislative work, whatever you want to call it, is kind of, you know, push the slamming on brakes instead of easing, easing, you know, kind of slowing down personally. So, I mean, I don't think they can make you better your habitat on private land for 90% of the state. They can better the public land, but they can't, you know, they can't make a, a nation, I mean, a statewide impact. So that's when stuff like the, the seasons and stuff kind of has to happen so it'll affect everybody equally. Mm -hmm. Anybody else? Oh, all right. Um, Black Prairie. Um, so, yeah, hang on and I'll tell you. Um, so there was a lot. So the Black Prairie thing came up and I'm sure, I'm sure y'all two got it too. 
we got like bum rushed with folks inboxing Jordan, myself, the Primos page, like y'all need to talk about this. And then there was a lot of things up in the air on what actually was going on. Y'all all know with social media these days, it is the easiest thing in the world to get the wrong information and you don't know and you think it's the right information and then you run with it. And like with what we're doing, like we can't afford to do that. You know, like we can't get on our podcast and be like, Black Perry WMA is going on. So we like, we had to chase down the facts. So again, without like outing anybody, I can, I can tell you, um, we, we put out, we normally release episodes every Monday. We put out a special episode yesterday specifically about Black Prairie WMA uh, because I did enough research. I talked directly who I needed to talk to to get the information that I needed um, so that I felt confidently enough to present it. What they're trying to do, like I said, I know for a fact, what they're trying to do is put that 6,000 acres of wildlife management area, they're trying to put that back into private land ownership. They're trying to strip away access from the public. I, that's what they're trying to do. That's the facts. How do I feel about it? I'm 100% against it. You don't, that's not theirs to take away. That's public land. That's public land access. That's not anybody's to take away. That's your land. That's my land. It's everybody in here's land. This land is your land. <laughs> that was a land. good title of that episode. Yeah. Anyhow. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, if any of y'all just want to weigh in on that, but I feel y'all probably think the same way. Oh, yeah. That I'm ain't their you. land to take away. Mm-hmm. That's how I feel about it. 100%. Um, Anybody else? Anybody? Going what? Yep. Mississippi State's the only state where you can shoot Jake's? I'm, I think there's others. I, you know, I didn't know you couldn't shoot them everywhere until like two years ago. Oh. No. I think you can. You still can if you're a youth. Oh, yeah. You can. 16. I think you can shoot a turkey of choice as a youth. But other than that, it's got to be uh, one of three criteria. It's got to have a six-inch beard, longer, full fan, or half-inch spurs, or something with the wing bars. Sure. If there, if it's a youth shooting it, I, mm-hmm. I'm fine with it. Yeah. And that may again. This is my opinion. I have no science to back up the answer that I'm giving you right now. It's just I was raised. Mm-hmm. Sure, sure. Uh, the, it's just the, 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 the way I was introduced to turkey hunting is Jake's long beards. That's, yeah. the only, that's the only distinguishing factor. Now, like, if you start going, like, I passed up this turkey because he had an inch and a quarter spurs, and I shoot him an inch and a half and bigger, you can take yeah. that and go somewhere else. I don't <laughs> – yeah. Yeah. Uh, but Jake's, I, I think if, if youth shoots him, I'm fine. Uh, fine with it. Y'all. I think they have. They have kind of. I mean, they've got enough data. I yeah. want to say I've heard that like Jakes don't breed really yeah. effectively. They might, you know, yeah. they might try, but they're not fertile. So I yeah. mean, God put them on this earth to reproduce, and you're taking them before it's able to, you know, kind of fulfill that. If you shoot them, mm-hmm. you know, in that one half year or one year old, so two year olds, I take them every chance I can get. But over a two hundred inch gear. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, I love them. Anybody else? Anybody else? One last time, thank y'all all so very much for coming out and hanging out with us. We appreciate it. Um, means a whole lot to us. Thank you, Ricks, for opening, opening up this venue. Um, and to everybody, uh, Wade Incorporated and John Deere, Parker, Chrysler Dodge, Jeep Ram, yeah. Southern Beverage Company, 
Second Amendment outdoors in Corinth, Mississippi. Seriously, thank thank all y'all for yeah. you know just supporting Mississippi companies and, and coming out. All right, guys, there you have it. Hope y'all enjoyed listening in on our live podcast with the Primos guys uh, from the Speak the Language podcast. A little live Q&A and a little live turkey hunting storytelling there for for those. And and now I'm glad that it was able to get out to all of our listeners because we did have a good time. And it'd be a shame if it was held to only the the people that were there in attendance. So they got to hear first, but glad we got it out to y'all. We definitely appreciate any likes, follows, shares, and reviews. And as I said at the beginning of the show, can't thank y'all enough for pushing uh, Spring Legion podcast up the charts. That means, you know, more than words can explain for a couple of folks who just hopped on here trying to wing it one uh, one Tuesday night with a $10 go mic. So it's come a long way, and it's not because of us. It's because of y'all. I want to make that very clear that y'all are what drives this podcast week in and week out. And we're looking forward to a really good spring as, uh, as it's about to kick off before you know it. Thanks again, folks, for listening to the Spring Legion Podcast. We'll see y'all next time.